You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What's going to happen tonight? What's going to happen? We're going to whoop their Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. Belated happy Independence Day time. Almost football time and Tennessee time. We got news on just about every Tennessee sport that exists time. Of course that's going to happen time because this is Tennessee and there's always news time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols. 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on just a, a sunny, gorgeous, warm, but gorgeous Tuesday afternoon here in God's Zone, Knoxville, Tennessee. Not just me on this episode. We're going to go across town to that uh, clown car full of children, the home daycare center. Uh, and you know who that means. You know what that means. That means we got the one and the only. Ryan Callahan joining us for this segment of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. We're going to have Grant Ramey here uh, in the second segment. But in the first one, we got Ryan. So, Ryan, what's up, man? Not much, man. How's it going? It's going all right. You know what's interesting is that you spend like a week away and, you know, you, you come back and you, you're kind of like, you know, you're, you're geared up to work again. You know, you're like, okay, let's get it. And I, I've had some downtime. Now let's get back to it, especially in, in, a, in an industry like ours where the news is always moving so fast and you feel like you step away for a week and your wife kind of makes you step away for a week and, and you you miss a lot of stuff and you're like, oh, my God, look at all that's happening. Um, but then I come back and I'm ready to fire it up. And, and then, you know, like tomorrow I got to go back away for a couple of days because I'm getting a, a, a long-needed long uh, septum repair, deviated septum. I think they call it a septoplasty. Uh, they're basically going to break my nose and – stick some tubes in there so I can breathe right. Bottom line is I just got back and then I just got to go away for a couple more days. And then for the next few pods, I have no idea what my voice is going to sound like because I'm going to have like maybe some tubes and gauze and just nastiness in in there. And if you think my voice sounds bad now, Ryan, you just wait a couple of days and and see what it sounds like then. Oh man, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited about that. I want to hear you like one day post-surgery now and let's, let's, let's make something happen and, uh, Hear what, hear what Wes or the messed up nose sounds like. Yeah, that, that could be kind of fun. Full of pain pills and all this stuff, but now I'm a four octave singer. You know how about that? You know, yeah. t- eat your heart out, Freddie Mercury. We'll see. Bottom line is, a lot happened uh, during the week. I was gone. We were able uh, to get one of the breaking news podcasts out there, obviously. Uh, but Tennessee had a few. A big, big football personnel moves, and we're going to discuss some of that here in the first segment. There's all kinds of other stuff to discuss. We got in the second segment, we'll, we'll get Grant Ramey on the horn, and we'll talk about, obviously, Tennessee adding a, a big-time uh, basketball talent again. You know, Tennessee just recruiting machine now in basketball, adding B.J. Edwards from the greatest high school in the history of the world, Knoxville Catholic High School, uh, produced a, a lot of talent and a lot of sports recently, and now there will be another basketball player coming to Tennessee from there. Uh, a couple that Tennessee wants from that team. So uh, we'll talk about that in the second segment. We'll talk about Tony Vitello's contract a little bit. Might delve into some of that NIL stuff, the name, image, and license stuff, because that's wide open now, and and Tennessee players can can get some money now for, for some things. And it's legal. It's legal now. It's not illegal. 
Uh, you know, they're, they're, I think you could say that a lot of them have always gotten money, but now it'll be legal, so that'll be nice. But we got a plenty to discuss here just in the first segment uh, because Tennessee has added uh, quite a few players, right? It seems like it's been a really busy week sort of on the, the football recruiting personnel stuff. It has. Uh, you had the two commitments last week. Uh, it started with Jordan Phillips, the defensive lineman from Florida, uh, a, a nice pickup. We can get into that in, in just a minute. And then obviously the 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 pickup of uh, offensive lineman Masai Reddick from Detroit, uh, one that had, if you'd followed things closely, certainly coming out of the weekend of June 18 when he took his official visit to Tennessee, looked very likely that he was going to end up at Tennessee uh, to to begin with. He uh, he pretty much informed Tennessee of his decision before leaving Knoxville that weekend, uh, causing some tweets and things like that that sort of gave away that. Tennessee had uh, had just landed somebody, but he, he didn't wait as long as initially planned to announce his decision, went ahead and did that on July 2nd. So Tennessee uh, with commitments on back-to-back days last week. And then uh, the same day uh, that they got uh, Jordan Phillips, uh, were able to land uh, a, a transfer cornerback, a, a big-time one, and Brandon Turnage, uh, an Alabama transfer who appeared to be headed to Georgia uh, just about a month before and – you know, things sort of fell apart there as, as Georgia got another transfer in the secondary and uh, just didn't feel as, as good about the situation there, it sounds like, and then decided to look look around again before starting classes at Georgia and then uh, ends up at Tennessee with uh, with Tennessee missing out first on K-Ron Prunty that, that headed to South Carolina. The, the Kansas transfer ends up getting now an SEC transfer, a guy that played some at Alabama looks like he had a, a, a chance to have a pretty bright future at Alabama, just wasn't ready to start right now. And now you get a guy that's maybe sort of a plug-and-play guy at cornerback going into this season. So a big pickup there that certainly has some immediate ramifications on Tennessee's roster and, and depth chart going into this season. So nice, nice week there for Tennessee. Really a lot happening. Uh, within a span of about 24 hours last week. Yeah, and, and we need to discuss this because because I I don't want to, to to this to get lost in the shuffle because I think it's easy to discuss the plug and play guy and we will do that in just a second. But you know we, we weren't able uh, to get a breaking news one from Phillips last week. Um, you know just things didn't work out that way. And and Ryan, if you could break down because I don't I don't want the to us to spend all our time talking about you know the 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 sexy DB coming in a guy from Alabama, former top 100 caliber player. Basically, that's what we're going to discuss. Most mostly, I, I imagine, but I don't want to leave out these guys. And we, we've talked about Masai Reddick on this feed, so you've heard us talk about him. But what can you tell us about Jordan Phillips? Yeah, this is a, a kind of a fast-rising guy. Uh, his, his stock ha- has risen quite a bit since the start of June when he was able to go out on the road and, and take some visits. Uh, he still didn't end up taking official visits to, to all that many places in terms of big-time programs, but Tennessee beat out some pretty good competition for this guy. Uh, had, had gotten offers from places like Florida, Georgia, Ole Miss, uh, had, had seen his stock continue to rise throughout the month of June as he went around and, and participated in camps and went on some visits. And, and Tennessee got him uh, on campus actually as part of a bus tour in early June where he went around to, to several places over about a 10-day period. And, uh, and, and Tennessee uh, was, able to, uh, was able to get him uh, there for a workout and uh, really liked what it saw during that, uh, that personal workout with Rodney Garner, the defensive line coach, and, uh, and some of Tennessee's other staff members. And you know, really, uh, really kind of turned up the heat on him from that point forward, got, got him scheduled pretty quickly for an official visit, and it just kind of came together uh, pretty fast, uh, despite him really not being a target for Tennessee before early June. So 
uh, one of those situations where a June visit really changed everything. And, uh, you know, again, his, his stock is, is, I think, still rising. We'll see if Tennessee ends up having to fight off some other teams to hold on to him. But this, is, this addresses a big need, 6'4", 295 or so, uh, you know, almost a 300-pounder, and uh, plans to be an early enrollee too. So at a position of need, you get somebody in who will be able to go through spring practice next year and, and address what is a, a pretty glaring need. You know, we've seen Tennessee add two transfers at that spot this offseason alone. Uh, we obviously saw them – uh, lose a couple guys here recently at that position, and that's that's something else we should touch on. Greg Emerson and uh, Darrell Middleton, not not a surprise, but those guys leaving the program, that's obviously a position of need, and you've got a few other seniors that will be gone after this year. So for Tennessee to be able to add someone who will come in in January, play right away, or have a chance to play right away, that's a big deal. And, yeah, he's got offers from Auburn, Florida, Georgia, Michigan, Miami. You know, Michigan was the crystal ball favorite for a while this spring. Ole Miss, and some of those offers are pretty recent. So his only other official visits, though, were, were Georgia Tech and Maryland. So who was the biggest competition in the end? It's hard to say, but this is a guy who was involved with some pretty major programs, got offers from a few of them in June, and, and Tennessee was one of them, and they sealed the deal. So at a position where you need so much help, uh, I think it's a nice pickup from the state of Florida. Yeah, it is, and and I didn't want that to get lost in the shuffle because you know linemen win you games, they win you championships. You you can't really win without being good there. That's 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 really really important. So uh, we do need to mention that, and we do, as you said, we do need to mention Emerson and and Middleton, both just really unfortunate situations. I I hope things work out better for both of them. But you talk about guys who just a couple of years ago, just what we thought these players could be. And um, obviously, in, in Emerson's case, just an all-world recruit who had a really nasty injury. Not sure he's ever been quite the same since that happened. Hopefully, he can kind of keep getting healthy, keep getting strength back, and, and he can become that kind of guy because he's always had some of that ability as a player. So that's that's disappointing. And then with Middleton, you're talking about a guy who I think is really, really talented. Uh, you know, different people will tell you different things about that. When I watch him, I think – that guy flashes on film. I think he's a he's a really good looking uh, defensive line prospect. Uh, the problem is sometimes just some of the maturity hasn't been there, and some decision making hasn't been great, and that's unfortunate. But I suppose Ryan, that's when you look at it. I mean, that's part of it, right? You got to stay healthy. You got to keep your head on straight. And, and if you don't do either of those things, uh, you know things can happen. Right, and uh, I mean for both of those guys, I think clearly there were, it, the writing was on the wall for quite some time that they were not going to be uh, around or that there was a very good chance that that was how it was going to turn out. Uh, we heard Josh Heupel at, after the spring game, and I think some people were sort of surprised by it at the time, knowing that Tennessee had a bunch of seniors at that position. Uh, but he said after that after that spring game, hey, we're, we're thin on the defensive line. Uh, he used that word twice, I think, mm-hmm. during his uh, po- post-spring game press conference. And, Correct. Uh, you know, people, people saw a need there maybe, but – we're, we're kind of thinking, does Rodney Garner not like some of these guys? And I think they they knew probably even at that time some of those guys would not be around for the season, and uh, and that that was part of it. And and clearly there was just some 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 aspect of it not being a fit uh, between those uh, between some of those guys maybe and, and Rodney Garner or between those guys and this staff. But whatever the case, you know whether it's maturity, whatever so, you know some of those guys um, you know just ha- haven't. Uh, didn't look like they were going to work out uh, for one reason or another with this staff. And uh, it, it, it was sort of obvious for a while that they might end up leaving. So that's one of the reasons you did see Tennessee so aggressively go after the transfer market and, and go out and get two guys to help on the defensive line and, and Caleb Tremblay and Dejon Terry. And 
that now we see, you know, that that group is not that deep. Uh, now that you check out Emerson and Middleton, it, it's it's OK. It's good enough to get through this season, probably as long as you don't have too many injuries. But it's a position where Tennessee is now a little thinner uh, in veteran guys who can play a lot of snaps uh, and that have done it before. You really need guys like, you know, Elijah Simmons, Omari Thomas. You need those young types to, to be ready. To, to play more this year, those guys who've done it a little bit but not been you know full-time starters, they need to be able to step forward now because you take Middle, Middleton and Emerson out of there, even though they're maybe not guys who had proven to be all SEC players yet, they, they were guys that at least had the talent, had the ability, and showed they could they could play a lot of snaps in the SEC. Now you've got, you've got more of a need for guys to pick up the slack there. So it is a loss for Tennessee, but not one that's surprising uh, given what we had seen over the past few months. Yeah, it is, and and I, I just wanted to mention that because you know you just you never really know, right, in recruiting because Emerson and Middleton were, were both guys who a few years ago I would have told you, man, the sky's the limit for those guys, uh, and and they were both obviously in-state guys. They were big-time gets for for Tennessee, and it's just a disappointing a disappointing end to it. But you know, it's it's been a disappointing few years for Tennessee football. Let's not deny that there is. You can sit here and try to pump sunshine all day long, but sometimes you got to say what it is. That sometimes things don't work out, and it's disappointing. So hopefully things turn out better for both of those guys. I've never had anything but good interactions with both of them. I hope both of them uh, can can move on and, and go do some good things on the football field. Yeah, and and, and like you said, you know, this is a good example of you never know from recruiting how things are going to work out. Greg Emerson, people would have thought, you know, based on his recruiting ranking and how important he was to Tennessee and State, in that class that, you know, Hey, he's going to end up being a huge part of Tennessee's future at times under Jeremy Pruitt, it looked like he might be that. And then at times he was just a role player and one of several guys rotating on the defensive line. So, uh, you know, they haven't been able to fully, fully rely on him for different reasons at at times throughout his career anyway. And then, uh, you know, going into what should have been his final year, maybe a big year for him, he ends up leaving the program. So, uh, you just never know. And, and, and obviously, Darrell Middleton, you know, there have been times throughout his career that you've seen kind of some maturity issues with him. And, and you know, he ended up going the junior college route. And, you know, a, a guy that's had uh, that, that's had chances to to make a name for himself and to to make the most of his enormous potential, which he's always had a ton of Golly, potential based on his natural had, ability. He's had, he is such a talented football player, I think. I mean, there's a guy who played wide receiver, essentially the senior at Oak Ridge uh, was like a 225 to 240 pound wide receiver that year. Um, just lining up on the perimeter is a, essentially a big tight end out there. But, um, but, you know, has developed from that into you know, what a 300 pound defensive lineman yep. and still was pretty athletic at that size and, and has still has all, all kinds of talent. So I, I hope for his sake, he can put it together uh, wherever he ends up next and make the most of his ability on the field. But, uh, you know, for now, you would say it's a, a little bit of a missed opportunity for for him not to not to make more of his time at Tennessee and, and, and essentially in his hometown. And we'll see we'll see where he ends up from here. But it's obviously a, 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 an unfortunate loss for Tennessee not to be able to get something out of those guys this year. Um, when in theory, with all the issues they have on defense, that defensive line should have at least been filled with veterans they could count on. And now it's a little bit thinner with the loss of those two guys. Yeah, we'd be remiss not to mention that. But I, I don't want to focus too much on it because there's other good things, more optimistic things to discuss as well. And we, we try to keep it balanced here. And, and I think this addition of, of Brandon Turnage is, is a nice, nice move for Tennessee, especially, as you said, coming off the heels of not getting Prunty. That, that was 
you know, they looked for a while like Tennessee had a really good chance to land him. Um, but And then at the end he goes to South Carolina. That's kind of a blow for Tennessee. You don't want to lose guys to South Carolina. But it happens. Uh, you got to move on. And Tennessee quickly moved on and moved on in a really interesting way, adding Turnage, who was, as we've mentioned, started his career at Alabama, was, I believe, the number 102 overall prospect, uh, both with our analysts and, and with the 24-7 you know, composite. So lots of good stuff there. And when you look at – you know, when you think of Saban and defensive backs, you, you think of sort of greatness, and you think of they, they fit this sort of size mold, athleticism mold. And from all that, this kid has those things, right? The, the, you look at 6'1", 185, and when you look at pictures, this kid's got a wingspan, and his hands are enormous. And, and you look at that as a cornerback, as a guy, that, as, a, as a defensive back, and you see, man, there's a lot of potential there because he can move, he's got size, got good length, got big hands. He's a guy who can go out there and probably do a lot of good things. Of course, not being a starter at Alabama is not necessarily a crime. We know how good Alabama is. I don't want to beat you all over the head with it, but you know how good Alabama is. You know that Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, Ohio State are kind of playing their own game and then there's everybody else. So not starting at one of those places is not a huge deal. But you got to remember, Georgia wanted this kid. Georgia tried to get him when Alabama, um, you know, we're, we're, when he left Alabama, Georgia's like, we'll take him. And we know what kind of talent Georgia has. So that should give you a pretty pretty darn good idea of what kind of ability this kid or potential this kid has. And when you look at Tennessee's need in the secondary, Ryan, I think this news is huge. He doesn't necessarily have to be an all-world player. If he's just a pretty good player, he's an upgrade there for Tennessee. No, no question. And uh, and really, he would have ended up at Georgia, I think, if not for Georgia also getting Clemson cornerback transfer Darian Kendrick, as you said, a, a guy that uh, left another one of those top-tier programs and was headed to Georgia for a more immediate opportunity to play and for, for that to not work out, obviously worked out really well in, in Tennessee's favor because uh, w- without that development, he probably is at Georgia right now. Uh, and it just he sort of wanted a chance. If he was going to leave Alabama, and, and I guess you can't fault him for this, um, he wanted a chance to play right away. He wanted to go somewhere where he was on the field yeah, and not wh- having to wait else, his turn. Yeah, why else would you leave Bama? Right. If, we're, right. if we're being honest, why else would you leave right now unless you either weren't happy there or you wanted to play? And this is one of the things we're going to see with the transfer portal. We're, we're going to see uh, that guys at those types of programs maybe um, maybe just aren't willing to wait it out long enough to, to play at those types of programs. And, and that's where a program building back like Tennessee can maybe really benefit from, uh, from what the transfer portal has to offer. This is one of the things that can maybe speed up the rebuilding process for a program like Tennessee. If you can take a guy like Brandon, Brandon Turnage and he – He's a, a, a plug-and-play type guy or, or at least plays a lot early on. Um, this, is, this is better than a junior college edition. I mean, this, you talk about JUCO guys being immediate contributors a lot of times in plug-and-play types. You're taking a guy from, from Alabama that has experience there and just plug him right in. And, oh, by the way, he still has four years of eligibility because of last year being a COVID year. Uh, so you, you still have a ton of eligibility there. We'll see if he hangs around for all four of those years, obviously. But – regardless, a guy with a lot of eligibility left and, and you get him as, as just a normal addition. It's like adding a junior college player, but uh, better in some ways. So yeah, as you said, great size, uh, definitely has the length to play cornerback also has the build that if you, if you really needed to, he could play safety. I think safety is a, is sort of a natural fit for a guy with his build. And a lot of people see that that uh, could also be a fit for him, but certainly the need is at corner for Tennessee right now, more immediately. 
And if he can help you out right away at that spot, that, that makes Tennessee's secondary better immediately. They are obviously looking to get better at that position, and they've, uh, they've clearly helped themselves by adding turnage. And, uh, and, and Kamal Haddon, the Auburn transfer, uh, junior college guy, essentially. So two additions at that spot, two additions on the defensive line, two additions at linebacker. They've done a pretty good job, I think, of patching up this defense. And, and turnage maybe as important as any of those pieces because of what he could bring not just this year but in the future because he has so much eligibility left. And if we're being honest, Tennessee needed to do some damage in the portal because damage had been done to Tennessee in the portal. And, and we know that the extra COVID year gave a, a bunch of guys a, an extra year of eligibility. Some of them are using it. Good for them. So so you're going to see some, some older kind of teams run college football. But Tennessee, y'all know this as well as anyone, t- Tennessee just got gutted by the portal. So Tennessee had to go back in there if possible and not just replace with, you know, go in there in the recruiting class and get that done. Tennessee had to go get some experienced guys who, who have been around college football, have been around Power 5 conferences, SEC preferably, but but any conference of the major five would do. And, and a guy who, you know, guys who had been around those, those battles and been around those fights and, and had the size, the strength, the maturity to handle some of this stuff because Tennessee – needs to catch up as quickly as possible. And if we're being honest, you're not going to do that just by playing all freshmen. You need to play some. You need to get you know recruiting pipelines going. You need to play young guys. But you also need to tread water while you can. And Tennessee just absolutely had to do this, right? I mean, am I crazy for saying that? It just seems to me like this is something that was not optional but mandatory for Tennessee. Yeah, there's a reason that after losing Roe Torrance, the junior college cornerback, uh, commitment that they found out at uh, Hutchinson Community College. He flipped to Auburn uh, back in June. Uh, a reason that after that, they still needed to go back into the portal and, and said, hey, we've got to find another cornerback. We really need to find some help there if we can get it. And and they were able to to find, uh, to, to their credit, two really nice uh, transfer targets. Uh, K-Ron Prunty, obviously now headed to a division rival at South Carolina, uh, but Tennessee got him on campus for an official visit, had, had a real shot at landing him, and uh, you know, nice consolation prize. You end up with an Alabama transfer who's a, a really talented former top prospect as well and, uh, and a guy with a ton of eligibility left himself. So uh, I, I, think, I think they felt they had to do everything they could. Um, I don't know if they were just going to force the issue and add a cornerback at all costs, uh, but I think it, anything short of adding a cornerback would have been seen as a disappointment because they really needed somebody else to help there. Um, you know, they've got Warren Burrell. They've got some other guys on the roster who are, are capable of playing there, certainly. But that's one of the positions on the roster you looked at as a problem spot. I think just based on what they had, they've obviously had some misses in recruiting the past few years that have, that have stung. Uh, you know, last year you had a, a guy like Demarius McGee committed and he flips to LSU, never really replaced him in the 2021 class. So uh, that, that's a position they clearly needed to to somehow boost the roster at that spot. And I think adding a guy like Turnage along with Kamal Haddon, that's a much better situation now than it was six months ago. So give Josh Heupel staff credit for doing what they can to patch that hole. And you get it with, uh, you, you do it with some guys that were, were previously playing at SEC schools. So I think that makes you feel pretty good about the future at that position. And, and they're guys with multiple years of eligibility. So you're not just going into the transfer portal for a one-year fix. You're getting a potentially multi-year fix there. And that also makes it a little bit less of a glaring need maybe in the 2022 recruiting class that you've gotten these guys from SEC schools who can play for multiple years. So it's a, it's a win-win for Tennessee. They're, they're fortunate the transfer portal gave them what it did, uh, and they're fortunate they had room, whereas a, a lot of teams were probably full 
numbers wise uh, and couldn't really add somebody at this point in the year. Tennessee was one of those teams that still had room, still had a major need, still had playing time to offer. And, uh, you know, I think Brandon Turns essentially wanted to go somewhere he could start right away. I uh, wanted to essentially be guaranteed to start right away. I don't know if Tennessee ended up guaranteeing him that in the end, but at the very least, I think he sees there's a real chance to step in and at least be a significant contributor from day one at cornerback at Tennessee. And so this is a, this changes Tennessee's defense. This changes their secondary potentially right away if he can live up to the hype and and be the type of player they think he is. Yeah, and it also takes guys like Warren Burrell and if they, you know, and, and others like that. And and if they weren't on edge, it, it it forces them to be on edge. You know, if you're a believer in ironing, sharpening iron, which uh, which I'm one of those believers, then then you got to believe that that helps Tennessee. Ryan, before we get out of here, just a couple more things. One, especially, um, people always want to talk about quarterbacks, right? There's no question everyone wants to talk about quarterbacks all the time. But for now, we're not going to talk about who's going to be Tennessee's starter in 2021 because that's going to be something we discuss in perpetuity um, for the next weeks and months. That's just something that's going to be discussed ad nauseum on this podcast feed on GoVols247.com everywhere else that's going you know sports talking knocks everybody all the time will be discussing that let's talk about a future quarterback for Tennessee let's talk about Tavon Jackson um got I know he had a time there maybe he wasn't an elite 11 finalist Ryan but but some good developments there or at least I've I've heard some good things there recently am I wrong about that I, I think there's been some positive developments there with him and his ability yeah, I, he he was out at the Elite 11 finals last week in California and and you know like, like you said did, didn't make the Elite 11 finals but but her you know, spoke with multiple 24/7 sports analysts that were out there in California and and they you know some of them like Steve Wiltfong had seen him before others uh, from our network had not seen him before and and they all spoke really highly of what they saw from Taven Jackson he, he's a he's a talented kid with just a lot of upside I think I think people see him as not being a finished product yet partly because he's a three-sport guy um, who, who hasn't just focused year-round on football the way some quarterbacks do. I think that's also partly because he is uh, he, he is in an offense that's not necessarily hanging its hat on the passing game. Uh, he's been in a fairly run-heavy offense where he has not been asked to do all of the heavy lifting, and that, that doesn't always uh, work to a quarterback's uh, benefit in terms of development. So, this year, maybe he gets to throw a little bit more in his offense, but in the meantime, I think it's maybe prevented him from being uh, as much of a finished product, as much of a polished quarterback as some of the guys he was up against at the Elite 11 Finals. So he finishes outside the Elite 11. He doesn't make the Elite 11, which is worth noting half based on film evaluation and half based on their performance at the Elite 11 itself. So it's sort of an overall award, um, but still – doesn't quite make the elite 11, but was in the discussion, I think for one of the final spots on that list. And then uh, among 24 seven sports analysts also got some discussion for being at the back end of our ranking of the top 11 quarterbacks who were out there in California last week. So uh, still some positive feedback there and enough reason to think Tennessee's still getting a pretty good quarterback in this class. Uh, you know, we got some questions about him not being ranked that high. And, and, and I think, Tennessee fans on, on, on the checkerboard on GoWalls 24-7 have had some nice uh, perspective on this, knowing that guys like Brian Maurer and Jarrett Garantano and Harrison Bailey and even Caden Salter have all been at the Elite 11 Finals in, in recent years. They've all looked pretty good at times out there. Uh, a few of them have made the Elite 11, including Caden Salter. Um, so you, you've seen guys like that um, have success at an event like that. And, and it doesn't always add up to college success. Uh, obviously, 
we'll, we'll, we'll see what Caden Salter ends up being at his next stop. But uh, you, you've got, uh, you've got to realize the elite 11 is what it is. It's a, it's a routes on air and seven on seven competition. It's not a full pads football competition. Sometimes it means something when a guy goes out there and shines, sometimes it's not necessarily an indicator of future success. I think people see Taven Jackson throw and they say, you know what? That's a talented kid right there. Tennessee's getting a pretty good one. And so I think that's the takeaway from the elite 11 finals. Not that Taven Jackson didn't make the elite 11, but that he's still not a finished product. He still ideally would need some time to develop in college, but when he gets there, he's got a real chance with a big frame, good arm, a lot to like about his just overall athleticism. He's got the chance to be pretty good. He just needs to keep developing and move on from here and, and, continue to sharpen his, his skill set, but there's a lot to work with, and Tennessee is definitely getting a talented guy to, to kind of headline this class right now. And a guy, he's going to be playing for a coaching staff, if we're being honest, that has produced a lot of big-time quarterbacks. Um, you know, a lot of – you look at Heupel and his staff and, and Golish and those guys, what do you see? What's the track record? Well, I see a lot of big-name quarterbacks, and I see a lot of award-winning quarterbacks, and I see a lot of yards and a lot of points and a lot of touchdowns. And, and I think that is something that – you put those two things together, and hey, that 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 could be a pretty good combination. I wouldn't call myself an expert, but I think if you take a really, really talented young man with a big arm, good athleticism, good frame, good tools, good work ethic, and you put him with a coaching staff uh, that has developed really good quarterbacks and put a lot of points on the board, again, no expert here, um, not a genius, but that, that, that combination of factors is pretty good. Uh, that gives you a pretty good chance of getting something done. I, I think so, and that's that's one of the things that uh, that Tennessee is clearly banking on there. And, and again, uh, you, you do just have a ton of ability. You're, you're recruiting a different level of quarterback from what the staff was able to get at UCF. So I, I think they are still uh, – it, it, it's it's almost surprising probably to a, to a guy like Joey Halsley, Tennessee's quarterback's coach, when you uh, – when you're going after quarterbacks and you can be in the, you can end up getting a guy like Taven Jackson because they're used to having to sort of, I think at UCF, you have to sort of find what you can get. You have to take guys sometimes who uh, aren't as tall or don't have as strong of an arm. And this is a guy who has every, everything you want in a big time quarterback, a big arm, a good build, it's good athleticism. Uh, there's a ton to work with there. So uh, I think this staff sees that and, and, and sees a guy that's essentially checking all the boxes just needs to, continue to again refine his game a little bit and that's that's perfectly normal for a quarterback coming out of high school so uh i I think people see hey tennessee's got a quarterback in the elite 11 finals that's that's always good to have somebody out there it's another good sign you're getting a a talented quarterback and they've had someone out there almost every year um the past several years so they've they've still got to fix that position but to have someone out there shows you're at least on the right track and and at least hopefully getting a a, a big time prospect who can who can develop at the next level and live up to the potential, um, but he's got a lot of potential, and I think there's reason to be excited about Taven Jackson, regardless of the fact that he didn't make the Elite Eleven. Ryan, last thing before we step out of here for the first segment, anything coming up with recruiting this week that people need to have on their radar? De- definitely a, an announcement worth watching on Thursday. Uh, Marquarius White, the wide receiver from Alabama, uh, announcing his decision. Uh, he, he revealed that on Monday uh, in, in a in a short tweet. Uh, so Tennessee looks like the, uh, the, frankly, the team to beat, I would say, but definitely one of the favorites to land him. It sounds like, uh, Tennessee and Louisville are the main contenders for him. He, he took official visits to Tennessee, Louisville, and Virginia tech last month with Tennessee being his most recent visit the weekend, 
of June 25th. So it was just over a, a week ago that he wrapped up his official visit to Knoxville. That was his first time on campus, but he's liked Tennessee for a while. I think the Vols have been high on him for a while and, and offered him way back in February and, and have been on him pretty hard since then. So uh, that's definitely one worth watching. We saw them get a couple commitments last week with, uh, you know, again, offensive lineman Masai Reddick, defensive lineman Jordan Phillips. We, we kind of said, you know, June, we didn't see a lot of commitments, just really the one uh, from Dylan Sampson, the running back from Louisiana, but said, hey, July is set up to be a pretty good month for Tennessee. We'll see if they can continue that on Thursday, but certainly one worth watching at the very least with Tennessee being uh, right now the crystal ball favorite to land uh, Marquarius White, a 5'10", 155-pound speedy slot receiver, essentially ran a 10, 6, 8, 100 meters. Uh, that's that's hauling it. That's pretty good speed. That's so, a burner. Uh, that's a burner. So so Tennessee uh, definitely has has been after him uh, pretty hard for, for a while now and uh, would be happy to get him on Thursday. We'll see if the Vols can, uh, can seal the deal. But right now it looks pretty promising, I think, for Tennessee going into that one. What an optimistic way to end the first segment, Ryan. We should definitely end it right there because that's an optimistic tone, and I think Tennessee – uh, Tennessee fans, Vol Nation can use that. So uh, we're we're going to go ahead and get out of there uh, for the first segment. On that note, unless you got anything else, no, that's a uh, like I said, good place to leave it, and uh, and and something to something for Tennessee fans to look forward to coming off the uh, off the Fourth of July weekend, where we saw a bunch of commitments nationally, but none for Tennessee. Uh, Might have just had to wait a, a few more days, but um, but we'll we'll see if Tennessee can can follow through on on maybe getting one uh, by the end of the week anyway. Well, there you go, and that's the really optimistic news. The less optimistic news is that uh, we're going to have to talk to Grant Ramey in the second segment. That's the less optimistic news. In general, though, let's end on that. Uh, let's end the first segment on that optimistic note. Ryan, appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. And, guys, we will be right back here. We're going to take a quick break, listen to some products, uh, services, in-house ads, other fun things, and we will be right back to talk base, uh, talk basketball recruiting with Tennessee, talk a little baseball with Tony Vitello and his situation, uh, perhaps a little name, image, and likeness stuff going on, even though Ryan said I said license earlier. I think I, I'm not sure I did. I'll have to go back and listen to the tape. I'll have to go back and check the film on that one but I, he might be right, so we'll, we'll have to see. I might have to own that. So it is name, image, and likeness, so we will discuss all those things coming back here on the second segment of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Hashtag ad. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you just heard a moment ago during that commercial break. West Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio, now joined by Grant Ramey. As, as I mentioned in the, we, in the last segment, we ended the first segment really optimistically, so the only way to really add balance to, is it, to it is to bring in Grant Ramey, who can always bring down the mood of any party. So Grant, are you looking forward to that? We're all going to die one day. There you go. Perfect. How's that? What else right needs to gates. be said? That, that's like a Usain Bolt start right there. I like it. We got plenty to discuss in this segment, guys. We got to talk about uh, Tennessee basketball, adding another high-profile commitment, as they all seem to be for Rick Barnes and his staff these days. Talk a little bit about Tony Vitello, Tennessee baseball coach. Tony Vitello and his contract, which still has not been signed, leading to much consternation among segments of the fan base who who want that thing done as quickly as possible. Uh, and we're also going to talk a little bit, bit about uh, NIL, the name, image, and likeness uh, that has been passed, which basically means now that all Tennessee football players will legally be making more money than us as opposed to illegally making more money than us. So that will be that will be a nice change. Grant, if you were uh, a Tennessee football player, NIL gets on your 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 radar now. How quickly are you trying to wrestle pals away from John Fulkerson if you're a big-time Tennessee football player, you personally? I'm not trying to wrestle. I'm trying to team up. I'm trying to you, – if I'm, if I'm a football player and he's the basketball player, you just go dual sports marketing campaign, and everybody's happy. I like it. That's a good idea. How, how much of a change – I mean, there's a lot of people who are going to fight this thing. They've been fighting this thing. Well, you know what? The fight's over. Now It's this is the way it's going to be, uh, which I personally uh, support. Uh, a lot of people don't. That's Again, we could talk all day long about whether it's a good thing or not. I think it's necessary. Some people don't. Bottom line is now it's happening. How much will this change things? Will it change the power dynamic in an uncomfortable way? Uh, will it be just kind of like business as usual and now it's above board? If any expectations you have from this, what are they? I would go the above board uh, route. I think it'll be an arms race just like any other thing in college athletics is an arms race. Which school can do it the best? Which school can package it and sell it to recruits and sell it to their families and their parents? Um, you know, who can partner with the right people to make it the best product, who has the best branding uh, within their athletic department, Tennessee, with a, a VFL Films, kind of, you know, all, all the people they're bringing in to try to work with these kids yep. on their brand and, and building all that stuff the right way. I think every school in the country is going to sell it as they do it the best, just like they have the best facilities, just like they have the best tradition. I mean, every school in the country is going to sell that to you on a recruiting visit. I think this is going to be the same thing. You're going to see who's really good at it and who's maybe not so good at it, just like in anything else. I don't think it really changes the power dynamic that much. I mean, kids are going to get some money in their pocket. Um, I think if you're if you're wise, if you're a university, you're telling your athletes to kind of tiptoe into this thing. Uh, I think our generation has a tendency to scroll through the terms and agreement yes. and just click it and mm-hmm. sign your name. This is a very different animal. You know, you, you need to know who you're partnering with when you do this. You need to know what you're signing up for, what you're signing away in terms of your name and your image and your likeness. Uh, it, it, it makes sense, finally, for the NCAA to allow something that benefits the student-athletes just outside of, obviously, I know they get great education, room and board and all this stuff, and a scholarship, free, free ride and all that. But it makes sense to, if they're going to have their brand, if they've built themselves up to what they are now uh, to this point, to cash in on it. Yeah, and I think to uh, to for for the long time, uh, for for people who are fans of uh, comic books, uh, Spider Man 
uh, has said for, for the longest time, with great power comes great responsibility. And, and so you do have a responsibility now to make sure you know who you are uh, business-wise getting into bed with. That, that, is, that is your responsibility now. And if you want the, the money that comes from this, if you want the influence that comes from this, you have to accept the responsibility that comes with this or you will be tarnishing your brand before you can even get it going out of the gate. That is one thing that, that people have mentioned that I think is a very, very fair concern going into this. At that age, do you know exactly the people that you are getting on board with? You know, if you're getting T-shirts made, do you know where they're getting made? Do you know the facilities? Do you know, uh, is this some sweatshop that's producing your shirts? Uh, you know, is this business that you're getting into a contract with? Is it cheating on its taxes? Is, is it doing awful things behind the scenes? You know, are you getting, you know, you have to understand these things now. And at any age, that's something that you could get wrong. There's no question about that. That's, you know, young people do not own the market share on mistakes. Um, people of all ages make business blunders all the time. It, so many businesses, what, what's that? I don't know that stat, but however many small businesses started, most of them end up failing within a few years. That's, that's just the world we live in. But uh, these guys are walking, talking billboards. They represent potentially millions of dollars for themselves and their families down the road. Um, but one of the worst things you can do uh, is, is, is make a horrible first impression with this. And that's the one thing I would say to all these guys is, uh, and all, you know, all the women athletes too, everyone who's doing this, um, I think it's great. I'm on board. I'm behind you. I think it's a good thing that you're getting this now. But be sure you know what you're getting yourself into um, because you can get into a bad contract. You can get into, you know, that's why it's important. And I think Tennessee, what I really like, I don't know how Tennessee will do with this grant, but I know that Tennessee has worked exceptionally hard at this. Uh, they have been, uh, as much as just about anybody that I've seen, they have been putting in work. They're, they're allowing this to be an academic field of study now uh, with, with, with academic you know, majors that you can get in this thing. They are taking this very seriously. They have made a lot of changes in their athletic department with partnerships, with hires. They have, they have tried to put things in place to get the ground, hit the ground running on this. And I commend them for that. I don't know what the results will be, but so far as I can tell behind the scenes, they have legitimately tried to get ready for this. Right. You can't slow play from the university side, from the athletic department side. You can't slow play your way into this. You better be from day one. It's just like you can't sit on you can't sit on a locker room. You can't sit on your facility. You got to be constantly upgrading, constantly doing what you can do to, to stay on the kind of that cutting edge to, to compete with everybody else. Because everybody else is going to be jumping in head first on this thing going 100 miles an hour, going back to, to kind of what you said about the, the big word for me is representation. You better know who you're representing mm -hmm. and you better know who's representing you in terms of the agent side of the world. You better have really good, all these recruits, the, the big, the big name ones, the elite ones, they usually have a lot of people in their corner. You better have the right people in your corner and you better have the right people helping you uh, in terms of representation uh, going through all this because everybody's wading through this for the first time. So you better have the right people around you uh, to do this the right way. And we've all, anyone who's been doing this for, for long enough knows that, as you said, there are guys who they, they have these entourages with them. They have their people, you know, whatever word you want to use, you know, entourage, posse, whatever you want to say, they've got people around them. And we have all seen what good people around you can do. And we have 
all seen what the wrong people around you can do in so many ways. I mean, there are coaches who will just not touch certain kids because of the people around them. And if those certain people get involved with other players down the line, they're also not going to get around those players because they just, they just don't do it. I've, I've been around coaches and I've, you know, I've asked them questions like, Hey, why didn't y'all try to recruit this kid? Or why you're like, do you see the people around him? I'm not doing, I'm not getting anywhere near there. And, and so that, that sort of thing gets multiplied now because that stuff will technically now be, be legal by and large. So having the right people is going to make a huge difference. And it's a long topic that honestly we could spend an entire episode discussing nothing but that, but we don't really have time for that. What we do have time to is just remind everyone that it's here. It's starting and uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Uh, we, we do not know just yet. What we do know is that Tennessee basketball's recruiting class, um, or I guess I would say get bigger, but got a person, got a body uh, for going into the, the 2022 cycle. And uh, as expected, the Vols did not have to go far to land this one. They went right down the road to Knoxville Catholic High School, which, as, as we all know, is the best high school that's ever been created. Um, that's just a fact. It's not, it's not open for interpretation. It's a, it's a fact. Uh, and it has produced um, quite a bit of Division One athletes in recent years uh, that have gone to a lot of different schools, including Tennessee in multiple sports. And B.J. Edwards is a guy who uh, would be recruited by Tennessee if he were playing anywhere in the country uh, because he is that good. And he is. this is a top 50 caliber prospect. This is one Tennessee has wanted for a long time, Grant, and I have to imagine they're pretty excited about getting him into the class. They are. It's a guy that there's never been a ton of drama around B.J. Edwards. It's felt like for a while now, and we've reiterated this, uh, easy for me to say, on the board that it felt like Tennessee was the team to beat for him. Uh, but you don't take for granted a four-star guard in your backyard. That's uh, the number 68 overall player in the country that seems to keep climbing in the rankings. His trajectory is headed up. You don't take for granted uh, getting that kind of guy without a lot of drama to go with it. I mean, he was a guy that it felt like Tennessee was the favorite for. Tennessee closed the deal. Tennessee, despite you know having to change two-thirds of its coaching staff, uh, assistant coaches, um, after not having the season it wanted uh, this past season. So you, you don't take for granted uh, what he can bring to you. And it's also really good to start a 2022 class with a guard, a point guard. You know who you're playing. Uh, you know who's in your backcourt if you're looking to join this class. Uh, and, and it's a really good point guard. And go figure, it's a guy that wants to be a two-way guard. It's a guy that wants to be play defense and, and be dedicated on the defensive end. And you've heard him talk about it before. You've heard scouts talk about it before when they watch his game. Uh, so it seems like the arrows pointed up on him, and it's a really good start for their 2022 class. Yeah, and if you're not going to be a two-way guard, he's really not going to want to recruit you. I mean, this staff, I, right. I, we, we've mentioned that 100 times. We don't have to do it again, but but we will. This is something that, you know, th- th- this is the kind of kid who fits in with what they want there at Tennessee. And he's listed at 6'3", 170, which is interesting because you'd seen some people list him earlier at 6'4", 6'5". He's been listed at 6'3", right now. He certainly looks every bit of that on film. Uh, there's a lot of game there. there. There's a lot of ability, both as a scorer, as a facilitator, as a defender, as a guy who can play, you know, off the ball occasionally if he needs to. There's no problem there. Uh, just just a lot of upside and a lot of stability, I think, with this. Because I think a lot of people expect um, that, that uh, Kennedy Chandler is going to be a one and done. There's no guarantee there. But it, it's a lot of people are, are already suggesting that's going to be the case. So you're going to need to be ready going in behind that, and this is a guy who could kind of pick up the torch and maybe carry the offense. Or, or at least, I mean, you know, kind of carry the load of being a point guard. 
Right. And, and when you can get those one and done five-star talents, you, you take them, no questions asked. That's what you want. But you also sometimes want to kind of walk a line between this guy's really good and he might also be a multi-year player. I think with B.J. Edwards, he's a guy that could be here two to three years, depending on how that plays out. If he's a one and done, that's great for him because it means he absolutely exploded on the floor and his trajectory continued to kind of skyrocket. Uh, but he's a guy that, that could be a multi-year player. You need that at the point guard position. You need that when March gets here. Those guys that are experienced in the college game or the guys that stick around in the tournament when you don't have to rely on those freshmen in the backcourt like we saw Tennessee uh, have to do this past March. And it's not only, you know, B.J. Edwards is a really good basketball player. He's also really good friends with a lot of really good basketball players. And he turns into your guy that you got out of your backyard, the first guy in your class, and now he turns into a recruiter. He turns into a guy that's going to go after Dylan Mitchell, the four-star wing that he was on the official visit with, that he was at the Pangos All-American camp with. Another guy that's skyrocketing. He climbed over 100 spots uh, in the last rankings update. And, and when I talked to him after his official visit, he said he wasn't going anywhere. He's going to get ready for July, and he goes home to Florida. And, oh, just so happens a Florida State official visit pops up. To me, that think, makes me think that FSU is a little bit nervous of the momentum that Tennessee might have with Dylan Mitchell. And I think you have that because of a guy like B.J. Edwards. And you can go down the list. Kaysen Wallace, another five-star combo guard they've had on campus. They have some momentum there. Uh, so it's a, it's a really good starting point with B.J. Edwards, and then you kind of look down the line where it could go. Uh, it's it's kind of they just kind of keep rolling towards these elite guys and, and having ends with them uh, and, and making those inroads continue. And, and I, I joke all the time about obviously about Knoxville Catholic being the greatest high school ever because that that's where I went to school. But but the the fact is there are other players there too, and, and there are others multiple guys on that team uh, both for 2022 and beyond that Tennessee's a factor with right. Right. I mean, Hanjay Tamba, the seven-footer, don't forget about him. He's a guy that really could be uh, considered more of a 2021 prospect. I think he's still a guy that Tennessee would be uh, far and away kind of the favorite for. They got the landing spot for him, and he's a guy that's uh, what, what I've heard compared uh, compared to is like a Kyle Alexander, a guy who's got that frame, who's got the body, a little bit of a project. You want to kind of mold him and, and kind of see what you can turn him into. Uh, but if they could get another Kyle Alexander, even if it does come with a little bit of a project ta- uh, label on it, uh, that would be huge. Yeah, and there's also a couple other guys like I know Blue Kane's a 2023 guard. Right, uh, he's there, got a Tennessee offer. Who's got a Tennessee offer? I mean that you know that and there's they, they had a guy who's already you know gone to Vanderbilt in the past year. That 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 team has got a lot of a lot of players on it, and that there's a lot of there's always you know it seems like in football and basketball now you just kind of have to watch that that roster every year. You see who the freshmen are and be like, well, I wonder how many of these guys Tennessee's going to be looking at you know already or, or in a year or so just kind of the way things are going. But, but Grant, do you get a sense, and I know you mentioned this a little bit earlier, but what do you see as the next step for this Tennessee 2022 class? You know, basketball recruiting and football recruiting, completely different animals because of the numbers involved. And if you get one guy, you know, in some years that could almost be your entire class. So you never really know. In terms of size, what are you thinking for this Tennessee class in terms of bodies? I know that's a fluid number, but what do you think will end up being sort of a, a good guesstimate and, and and how do you how quickly do you think some of those wheels will start turning uh, i think you start at four uh, as the number also they have a scholarship open from the last yeah. cycle they haven't filled that they got 12 scholarship guys on roster you can have 13 so they've got an opening there i would start at four and maybe go to five depending on kind of how this shakes out and kind of who wants in the class um i think you you, you look at least two guards with a bj edwards and i think you'd prioritize a, a guy like case wallace yeah. Uh, it feels like with him, it's Tennessee and Kentucky right now, but it also feels like Kentucky's kind of slow playing. 
uh, that recruitment. They're after Keontae George, the, the number one player in the state of Texas. I think he's the number four overall player in the class. Yeah. That's another guard, um, and it, it feels like they're kind of prioritizing him while Tennessee is prioritizing Cason Wallace. And I think there's a little bit of Cason Wallace wanting to get out of the state and kind of do his own thing. Um, so I think there's a lot of momentum there. I think you look at Dylan Mitchell. Uh, that's another guy. You're going to need forwards. You're going to need size. Uh, the wing like he is, 6'8", almost 6'9". Uh, a guy that's really exploded, uh, a guy that's really good on the defensive end, like we talked about. So I think you start at four or five. Uh, you add a couple guards. You look at a couple wings. They're on a couple um, big men, 6'10", 230 guys. Johan Traore, um, Ernest Uded Jr. Uh, Traore's in California. Uded's in Florida. Um, those, those are guys that went from not ranked to top 100 players. So that's kind of where their you know, recruitment's going. It's, it's not going to be easy to try to get those, but they do like those guys and they need that kind of size. So I think it's four or five. I think there's a couple guards in there. I think there's a wing or two in there. Brandon Miller is obviously another guy, five-star in-state target, elite talent that they've been after forever. They've had him on campus for an official visit. So uh, I think those are the kind of the guys at the top of the board, um, but we'll see where it goes from there. Yeah, and the, the Wallace thing is really interesting because there's a lot of push and pull there because, you know, you get a kid who, like a lot of kids, thinks that he kind of wants to leave the state and go out and do his own thing. and But then you've also got, you know, a borderline elite program that's putting guys in the draft every year that's playing, you know, at least in the mix to compete for championships now pretty much on an annual basis and it's in your backyard, and it's pushing really hard for you. So the push and pull there, to me, is fascinating because, I'll be honest, I have no idea where that thing is going because you have a kid whose inclination might be that he kind of wants to spread his wings, but inside the already inside the nest is a pretty good option. So there's a lot of that, – that, to me, is really interesting anyway. What, what Tennessee has there that nobody else has in terms of the case and Wallace recruitment is Rod Clark, the assistant they hired from Austin P. He was he has a lot of connections to the state of Texas, the Dallas area. He used to do these breakfast club workouts at 6 a.m., whatever, 5 a.m. And back when he was doing that, he was working out Tyrese Maxey before he went to Kentucky. And Tyrese was telling him about this eighth grader named Cason Wallace. He said, you need to let this guy come to these workouts. He's a legit player. Uh, I know he's way younger than the rest of us. And Rod Clark was a little bit hesitant to do that because he was so young, uh, but he let him come in and work out. And Cason Wallace has had that relationship there really tight with Rod Clark ever since. And that goes back to his eighth grade year. So that's a huge foundation piece. Tennessee didn't hire uh, Rod Clark to get Cason Wallace. Cason Wallace wasn't even really on Tennessee's radar before this, uh, before Rod was hired. He got hired. He offered Cason Wallace basically on the spot. They got him on campus. And Rick Barnes was like, man, I got to have this kid. I mean, that's the kind of impression they had on him. He's a two-way player. He's a uh, really kind of humble. He's he, talking to him kind of reminds you of talking to like a Josiah Jordan James. He's a guy that's a really good basketball player, but he's also a guy that you really want in your program to help hold these pieces together. So that's what Tennessee has. I think that's where the momentum comes from. It's just a matter of where that momentum goes from here, how hard Kentucky starts pushing, how hard Texas starts pushing. Uh, and we'll see where the chips fall. Yeah, that's what I meant is that he's got, you know, Baylor and Texas right there in his own state. And, and and so that, to me, sets up a really interesting push and pull because we know the pressure uh, from kids in that state to go to the other UT uh, it, it can be can be big. And, and Baylor has obviously got a lot going on right now, too. So uh, that that's interesting that it seems like it's, you know, Tennessee and Kentucky – and, and we'll see what order, but but then he's got those others that are just kind of clinging on there, and that one to me is yeah, we, really interesting. Weirdly, I would put my money on him leaving the state at this point, which is, you know, obviously with the programs in the state, it's, it's kind of 
weird to say that, but it, sometimes it just feels like these kids want to get out of state. Yeah, it's what kids want to do, and that 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 goes to beyond basketball too. I mean, sometimes kids just want to go out and do their own thing, and right, you know, I mean, right. look, look at Jemai Meshack. He had all kinds of offers, the places that he could have gone, and he comes three thousand miles across the country because he wants to go out and. He's got a great family situation, so it's not like he was trying to get away from that. He just wanted to go across the country and and play basketball for Rick Barnes and his staff. So that's the the beauty of recruiting. I guess before we step out of here, well, before I do that, Grant, is there anything else on the basketball front? Uh, anything? I know that you know the the, the John Fulkerson's dinged up. We know that. Um, anything else of note that's going on this summer? Santiago Vescovi's back. Uh, he was playing in Canada with uh, Uruguay's national team. I believe they got eliminated in the group phase of the Olympic qualifying. They went 0-2 uh, last week. Uh, Kennedy Chandler is overseas in Latvia playing for the U.S. Uh, under-19 team in the FIBA World Cup. Um, they're still playing right now. Uh, and Olivia Kamo is in Japan playing for Finland's, uh, one of their youth preparatorial national t- I can't remember all the words that go into the title uh, but he's got three games over there and then he'll be back uh, after those three games to resume summer workouts so a pretty unique summer where three guys are getting the chance to kind of represent their home countries uh, and play on the national stage yeah it's kind of cool because you know you talk about uh, sports allowing you to kind of see the world if you're a good basketball player you go see the world in a hurry i mean it's like it's almost getting right it's not quite maybe to where soccer is on that level yet but it's it's starting to get there i mean in terms of the opportunities you have as an elite basketball player to go all over the country i mean i, I remember years ago getting into you know funny kind of funny arguments with Jarnell stokes when he would he went to brazil with the u.s um you know one of the u.s youth national teams and he was complaining about the food in brazil <laughs> I was like, dude, you get to go around the world and see all these awesome things, and you're complaining that they don't have like chicken nuggets over there. Like, dude, come on, man! Brazilian steakhouses are awesome. Go, go try it. And just you know, joking around about how it's interesting now because you see how kind of culture Jarnell has become and kids grow up. But it, it's it's funny because they get great opportunities, man. I mean, they get great opportunities to go see the world and do things. I mean, you know, the baseball wise, you know, with Tennessee having. Um, I guess uh, two guys um, in uh, Blade Tidwell and Drew Gilbert who got to play on the uh, – they're on the U.S. Collegiate National Team. They'll get to go do some stuff too. It's it's a neat time, uh, you know, for these kids, and especially in the COVID land to get these opportunities is is pretty rare. Uh, so I think that's 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 something to, to celebrate. That's a neat thing. And hopefully Tennessee will get all of its guys basketball-wise kind of back in-house here in a month or so and kind of get everybody back to working out and getting ready for the season because we all know – the lack of preparation. In hindsight, we all know the lack of preparation time for that team last year with all those new pieces. It became a big factor, uh, and certainly, right. and certainly, not having Fulkerson is a blow because you want other guys to get. It's not that he needs it really um, as much as it probably is the guys need to understand playing with him. That 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 would help kind of the things that because he has a unique game. So that getting him back in relatively short order, not too long, would would, would be good news. So. We'll see where all that goes, but uh, I've heard I've heard good things about Brandon Huntley Hatfield, six ten, like a legit two forty. I mean, that's a large human being. Yeah. Uh, speaking of internationally, I've heard good things about Quentin DeBunje. I mean, he if you look at Tennessee's roster online, he's like an inch shorter and a pound lighter than Josiah Jordan James. So he stepped on campus, a pretty large human being, uh, and a guy that kind of got hurt by the COVID protocols in the recruiting process. He never really got a chance to show anything, but I think Tennessee feels really good about. What they got there, I don't know how quickly it'll materialize if he's a little bit of a project, but I think they think they got a steal right there. Yeah, because Josiah Jordan James is one of those guys who I would describe as kind of secretly enormous. 
I don't I, I don't think television always shows just how big he is because you see him next to another guard and you're like, hmm, that's a big dude. Plus you had Eve yep. Pons out there looking like an action hero, you know, super, <laughs> you know, for all these. And, and so that can kind of impact the way you look at certain things. But um, that's, that's, if Tabunjay is even in that category in terms of size, that's, as you said, that's a, that's a large human being. Uh, before we step out of here though, quickly on the, the baseball front, I know a lot of people are still wanting to know about Tony Vitello and his contract. Uh, don't have a lot of news there other than um, some things that I know, whereas they still have some sticking points in the that negotiation process. There are still some things on both sides where, you know, like we talked about push and pull with Case and Wallace. I mean, contractor push and pulls too. And there's a couple things on both sides that they're just trying to get squared away on. They're not quite meeting totally in the middle yet or else they would have signed the thing. Uh, now that's what I know. What I suspect is that LSU filling its baseball vacancy – probably it didn't make this unimportant because it's still incredibly important for Tennessee to get this done, but it took it off the, Oh my God, stop everything else. You know, NIL football recruiting. Okay. But like Vitello's thing has got to get done and LSU going in a different direction ease some of the burden I think there in terms of doing it immediately. Um, but there still needs to be a sense of urgency there. And I think they understand that, um, but and I heard a little bit while I was gone for a week, but but not as much as I normally would have. But I can tell you that both sides still want this to happen. It's just getting together and because you're not talking just about a contract extension here, uh, you're talking about facility enhancements and you're talking about a lot of things. This is not just like I want to coach here and you want me to coach here and you're going to give me money and that's going to be awesome. That's part of it, and I think that part of it, I think they're probably pretty squared away on. I think it's the facility in some ways now that can be a bit of an issue because you've got things that are hard to promise because the the economy is what it is right now. Uh, you know, the COVID, SEC stepped in and helped out a little bit, but there's still a lot of money there that, that was lost in the past year, and, and you're also having to potentially pay some buyouts if you can't fire these football coaches for cause. There's things out there that, that you have to concern yourself with. And then if you just know where Lindsey Nelson Stadium is on Tennessee's campus, you know right away that you're looking at a really interesting construction zone because it is a small footprint, and they're trying to do a lot with that small footprint. And if you want to extend even by like 10 feet in any direction, you're going to have to get the city and possibly the county and state involved on sort of zoning and you know, can you move a road? Can you close a road? Can you potentially build a stadium steps like over the top of a road, as you've seen with soccer stadiums in Spain and other places where, where you're a little bit jammed in? It's complicated. And, and so I think people need to give them a little bit of grace on that because I don't think it's – if it were simple, it would have already been done because both sides want it to be done. But I think there are some complicating factors there, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, money is one thing, years of a contract is another thing, but when you mix in the stadium, and it's not only just facility upgrades, it feels like a complete overhaul. Mm -hmm. I mean, it feels like you want this guy, Not you're not just handing him the keys, you're asking him to help design the car and then build the car, and then you, you've got the keys. I mean, you're not starting from scratch here because obviously he can take this program to Omaha as it is, just like he did, um, but at the same time, if, if he can do this with what he's got now, imagine what he could do with an elite facility with elite top of the line stuff that could help him compete that much better 
uh, in the recruiting process, even though he's not losing a lot of those battles. He's obviously uh, done a really good job over the last four yeah. years that he's been here. But it's going to take time, like you said. I mean, there, there's a lot of stuff at, at play here. Uh, you can't just kind of sign off on facility stuff and say, we're going to go do it. You got to, like you said, you got to get a lot of stuff. Eyes um, dotted, T's crossed, everybody, uh, city, county, whatever, all that stuff on board. It's just, it's just kind of going to be a hurry up and wait thing. So if both sides want to be here and if both sides are willing uh, to do what has to be done to get a deal done, then you got to feel good about it. And, and you're right about LSU's. That job's filled. They didn't create an opening at Ole Miss to fill the LSU job. Stuff like that, the Arizona job, which did come open, has already been filled. So it does feel like, you know, it would be a lot more surprising or shocking than not if he wasn't back. It's just a matter of getting all the stuff sorted out. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say before we step out of here, because we're already over time here, is that I I think beyond just the practical sense of knowing that it'll be easier to recruit with better facilities and, and, you know, and beyond that, it's not just for recruiting. It's for giving experience to the student-athletes while they're there. Like, they know how some of those SEC West schools absolutely pamper, you know, their baseball players. And I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean, like, they take care of them almost in the way that, like, football and basketball players are taken care of in terms of their facilities, just every day, the environment they're in, how nice everything is, and just how much they're sort of respected and noted in the pecking order with the university. And I think that, as much as anything, is is, is something that, that Vitello – and I'm not going to speak for him, but but he wants to say, listen, if we're going to produce at an elite level, we need to be treated like an elite program would be. Like we need to be treated the way that LSU treats its baseball guys, the way Mississippi State treats its baseball guys, the way Vanderbilt treats its baseball guys. We want to always be in the discussions for important things, and we want to be marketed we want to be pushed out there. We want to be uh, accessible. And they've done things like, you know, adding some Vol Network baseball affiliates throughout the state this year, some small things. They just want more of a presence in that way. And I think that's a reasonable thing to request because if you're you, – you, you saw Danny White and you saw Donnie Plyman both come out and say baseball at Tennessee is now overperforming sort of the – the attention it's give it's been given right and, and that was a huge statement and we'll credit our, our good friend mike wilson from the knoxville news sentinel who got those quotes for that story where they said they sort of said the quiet part out loud that tennessee baseball is now performing at a level where you have to give more respect to it it's not just money it's facilities it's the way you treat them and, and that's going to be a culture change and, and grant that's not something that you just you know, snap your fingers and do. To quote Michael Scott, RSPCT, find out what it means to me. Yeah. I'm disappointed you didn't do a spit take as you were taking a drink <laughs> while I dropped that reference. AS- and don't you dare call Mike Wilson a close personal friend when we're mortal enemies. Well, at times we are. At times we are. All the time. I'm all the time beefing. Yeah, he, he asked me the other day about trying to help get, like, he got a new house and, like, get a deadbolt put on it and all that stuff. And I'm like... Well, are we going to be friends or enemies that day? I just, I just don't right. know. There's no way to know. know for sure what it's going to be. Like, I would be glad <laughs> to help you uh, if we're going to be friends that day. So some we, days you just wake up and choose enemies. That's true. ASAP is possible, right? I did, I, I did do a. I was trying to not do a spit take because in the first segment, after not doing recording a podcast for like a week, being away, you sort of forget that like how sensitive these mics are. And so I've got like a, a cup here with ice in it. And I was during the segment with Ryan, I was, I was listening back to it and I was like, that's not good. That's not good. 
So welcome back. Yeah, welcome back. Some some technical things there, and then we'll see what the voice sounds like after the surgery with the the nose. So I might sound uh, even worse than usual for a couple of weeks. So hopefully we uh, we get that sorted out. But Grant, man, thanks for your time. And uh, unless you got anything else that you want to add, you never do. But I'm gonna I'm gonna ask. You got well, else? it's a new it's a new world, so you can just Venmo me for my name, image, and likeness. And uh, if you don't agree to that, you'll have to not use my name. Uh, you'll have to. I'll be like shooting guard 99 when Michael Jordan's uh, rights weren't allowed to be used on video games in the 90s. So you can either pay me or just make me shooting guard 99. Yeah, and so basically you want to be treated as the opposite of uh, the way the Chicago Cubs are playing at the moment. That would be – Right, yeah, that's, exactly. That's what you're going for. Thanks, guys, for that 10-game losing streak. That's been – I even went to see you in person and you couldn't make it change. So thanks for that. I, I hate it for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you do, buddy. I'm sure you do. Thanks, Grant. Appreciate it, man. Bye. See you. And that should do it for this edition of the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Thanks to Grant Ramey. Thanks to Ryan Callahan. And most importantly, thanks to all y'all for listening. We always appreciate it. We always say that, but we always mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening. You can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. Ryan Callahan is Ryan Callahan 24-7 on Twitter. And Patrick Brown is P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. If you want just Tennessee news in your Twitter feed, nothing else, you can get that at twitter.com slash govals247. You can also go to facebook.com slash govals247, which is updated pretty much every hour, all day, every day. Tons and tons of good stuff on there. Not just, not only, not just Tennessee news on the Facebook uh, page there, but mostly uh, either Tennessee news or things that we think Tennessee fans will be interested in on that page throughout the day. Um, But if you want that most delicious, unfiltered, delicious East Tennessee Mountain spring water right from the tap, Smoky Mountain style, go get that at GoVols247.com, the best site on all of Al Gore's internets to get coverage of Tennessee football, football recruiting, basketball, basketball recruiting, Tennessee baseball, Lady Vols, all things Lady Vols with the award-winning Maria Cornelius, who does a great job covering all things Lady Vols for us. we got two forms running round the clock, as the name says, 24-7. You can get those forms right there the checkerboard and the summit and uh, it's kind of a digital water cooler for all things uh, vols all things sports all things life as long as it's not political or religious in nature anything else in there fire away we're, we're on there 24 7 thousands of tennessee fans on there 24 7 everyone out there discussing all kinds of stuff so go check that out and you can get all of that all of that for less than the price of one mediocre lunch per month less than one mediocre lunch per month that's all it costs. And if you pay that, you get access in perpetuity. As long as you're paying us, we'll give you free access, commercial free, ad free to Paramount Plus, which used to be CBS All Access. Now it's Paramount Plus. All kinds of stuff on there, guys. There's tons of new movies, tons of classic movies, uh, tons of uh, like CBS original shows. Everything CBS has ever done commercial free, every show commercial free on there. Lots of exclusive stuff on there. Uh, including, um, you know, lots of some of the, the evil stuff is on there. You got some of the new Yellowstone spinoffs that are coming there to Paramount Plus. Plus, you get live sports. So you get SEC football, you know, SEC basketball, Tennessee stuff, obviously, NCAA tournament, March Madness, NFL, PGA Tour, UEFA Champions League, UEFA Europa League. And on top of that, you get stuff from the access from you get access to the vaults of Comedy Central, MTV, BET, Smithsonian and Nickelodeon for the kiddos. Everything you want for a streaming service, right there. It's a $100 plus annual value, and we give it to you for free. For free. No one else can do that. We can do that for you. 
So go check that out, GoVols247.com. If nothing else, guys, you should hear from us later in the week. Not sure exactly when. Never know when the breaking news will happen. Um, but some breaking news is probably going to happen this week. So when it does, uh, if it does, we will be there. Until then, be good. Be good to each other. And um, we'll get through this thing, guys. See you.